I never looked back because my energy levels increased. I, I wasn't getting tired halfway through the day anymore. And my fitness levels as well gradually increased. I'd like to welcome my colleague and friend, David Bailey, to the Vegan Wellness World Summit today. He's based in the UK. He is the co-founder of the summit with me, and he is an online yoga teacher with certifications in vinyasa flow, flexibility, and yoga breathing. He's a personal trainer, a plant-based nutritional therapist, a podcast host of the Plant-Based Yogi Podcast, and a YouTube creator. His YouTube channel is filled with helpful videos, including yoga classes, breath and meditation practices, and interviews with other yoga and wellness experts. He also won an award for his progress in the eight-week vegan fitness shred challenge in December 2020, which is where we originally met. So welcome, David. Thank you, Laura. It's so great to be talking with you today, and thank you so much for that warm welcome. Absolutely. So you have a very interesting story into how you became vegan. Can you start off there? Sure. So going back six years, I always wanted to go vegan since I watched certain documentaries. One was called Cowspiracy. The other was Forks Over Knives. But then something really happened that made me question everything that I was doing. So one day, Sunday morning, we woke up to a knock on the door and it was a police lady. And she said, is your dad Joseph Bailey? And I was like, yeah, I answered the door. And I was like, yeah, still waking up groggy. And he, she said, um, your dad, he's crashed his car and he's had a heart attack and been rushed to the hospital. And it was just shock. And my mom, she started crying and I didn't really know how to react. So very quickly we were rushed to the hospital and he was there on life support. And we had to watch for, for two weeks, him kind of look like he was going to get better and then slowly deteriorate again. And then eventually he died in hospital. Um, and it was a clogged artery that gave him the cardiac arrest. So naturally I was distraught. Our whole family was, we didn't see this coming. We didn't know he had these health problems. We knew that he'd stopped taking certain medications. I feel like I should say that the rest of my family were vegan at this point. And even my dad was for the last year of his life. He was 65 when he died. Nobody expected him to go vegan. But when he did, he thought he was doing all the right things. And he chose to stop taking his heart medication without consulting his doctor, which eventually... At first, he was great, but then eventually it led to a decreased level of energy. He, he was lethargic. He didn't want to do anything. We didn't see any of the signs there. But had he consulted his doctor and talked a bit more openly about it, he, he could have lived a lot longer and carried on his, his healthy lifestyle. And this scared me, really, because... 
I I knew that my habits had to change. I didn't feel particularly good in my own body. I didn't feel good in myself. I had moments where I would go to work and halfway through the day, I'd be ready to go to bed. I, I, I could barely keep my eyes open. I used to work on a golf course and I was operating machinery all the time. And I was finding myself at the wheel of these big tractors, just nodding off and thinking, this isn't right. You know, after my first couple of meals of the day, which were normally something like chicken, fish, rice, all the all the staple fitness meals, because I've always been into fitness. So this this health thing and this this wellness summit is the natural progression of that. But I went to my doctor after my dad had passed away just to get checked and told him the story. And weirdly, my granddad, my dad's dad, he died the exact same way. My dad did almost identical. My granddad was 58. He went out one Sunday morning, had a heart attack. He died in his car. My dad went out one Sunday morning. They both went out to get the, the newspapers. My dad was driving. He had a heart attack. So this was a hereditary thing. My doctor told me in, in the male side of my family. And also at the time as well, I was doing drugs. I was smoking cannabis every day. I was going out with my friends on the weekend, binge drinking, doing uh, cocaine, sometimes uh, pills and getting into a real state. Um, so when this happened, the, the sudden loss of my dad, that's when everything changed for me. That's when I eventually made the decision after doing a lot more research and having help from my sister who was already vegan two years. That was a, a big help having somebody there who knew what they were doing, who, who knew what things to, to show me, what, what documentaries for me to watch. So it's been six years now since my dad died and I went vegan five years this month in September. And I never looked back because my energy levels increased. I, I wasn't getting tired halfway through the day anymore. And my fitness levels as well gradually increased. It wasn't easy to start with. It was a, a slow transition. I had no idea what to do with my food or anything like that. I was eating the most basic meals. I was going into work and all of a sudden, I can imagine what the guys were thinking who worked with me. I was just eating chicken, fish, all this stuff. And then I was coming in these big boxes, of just basic rice and lentils every single day. I didn't even know about seasoning law. It was, and it was horrible to eat it. But I was just like, I, I have to do this. I have to keep this, this going, this, this new diet because I was, it was fear. I was scared of the consequences. And obviously I want to live as long as possible. So I guess it was health reasons. It was the main reason that I, I went vegan um, because of what happened to my dad. If that didn't happen, I might not be here telling this story today. Wow, that's powerful. Thank you so much for telling us that epic story. And 
you know, it's a shame what happened to your dad. And it's interesting that it happened to your grandfather as well. And that you're breaking that chain of what's happened to the males in your family for, you know, three generations now, uh, so far as you know. And I like that you also mentioned about your dad's heart condition and that he was on medication and he kind of went off of it without medical supervision. Uh, Cause here at the vegan wellness world summit, we do want people to be able to be healthy and to get off of medications if possible, just like forks over knives, which inspired both of us. But obviously that has to be done in a responsible way. And we would advocate that you do that with the help of a healthcare professional, if you are going to do that for sure. So thank you for mentioning that part. And I also think it's important that we touch on the addiction that you brought up, that you struggled with smoking cannabis every day and other drugs as well. So can you talk a little bit about what your addiction was like and how that related to your transition into veganism? Sure. The addiction that I had goes back over a decade. And I guess it was because I was a really insecure person. And I started smoking cannabis because my friends were doing it. You know that saying, Laura, you become, um, you become the embodiment of like the five people you surround yourself with and you take their, their habits. And that's what happened to me. And when I started, I honestly, I loved it because it gave me an outlet of not being myself, not feeling my emotions. And at the time, all I was feeling were negative emotions, anxious. Um, I didn't like anything about myself really, but I just put on a front all the time. I didn't like the way I looked. I was constantly obsessing about my appearance. And when I started doing drugs, all that stuff didn't really matter anymore. I could kind of just shut down and be content, I suppose. And I relied on it for so many years as like a crutch. And it wasn't even until recently. So I was still doing cannabis after I went vegan. The whole time during uh, watching my dad, I was high all the time. One of my biggest regrets actually was going to his funeral um, and nobody spoke at his funeral. And I was, I was high at the funeral and I regret that so much because I knew I should have been the one to, to speak. I, I was the one that could have really done him justice at that time. But I just couldn't do it because I wasn't in the right headspace. And I think a lot of people, they fall into this trap like I did of just using things as a crutch, whether it's cannabis, whether it's alcohol, whether it's food, right? We all have something that we rely upon. Over the last year, I went cold turkey and... I've been completely sober now for a whole year. Uh, no caffeine, no anything. And I can tell you at first, the pain I went through was immense. 
because you if you can imagine 10 years of just numbing your emotions and not feeling what you should have been feeling at these key times in your life like breakups of relationships losing my dad um my nan died to covid all these things i was letting out bits of emotion but mainly i was masking it through the drug and once i stopped i just had floods and floods of emotion and i felt pain deep within my core but i knew at the same time that i had to feel this that this was something that i'd been blocking for so long that it all came all of a sudden and i i cried you know i cried and cried for two weeks i remember we met on the the vegan fitness challenge and i remember speaking to one of our coaches because i just didn't know what to do and i said look you know i'm probably going to cry because <laughs> i've been crying every day and looking back now that was that was such a great release and i'm so thankful for the pain and that might sound strange to a lot of people watching because if you're in a position where you're trying to avoid pain and you're just trying to get through the day and, and be happy, you know, this is all I was trying to do was, was numb the pain. But since I've learned about this emotional scale and it's this great gift that we've, we're all given as human beings that we can tap into at any time. And if we're feeling a negative emotion, if we're feeling depressed, there's a reason that we're feeling that way. And by numbing that depression, it's just this vicious cycle. You heard of that saying, you know, that doing the same thing over and over again is the definition of insanity. I felt like I was going insane, Laura, right? 10 years of, of and smoking cannabis and for at least six of those years i didn't want to be doing it i knew that it wasn't wasn't who i wanted to be i want i, I only ever wanted to be fit and strong and healthy and, and feel like a superhero and i was talking about this the other day because i was, i'm starting to feel like a superhero which is which is incredible for me because i've come from right at the bottom of the emotional scale which was depression and pain and then i went through anger and anger mainly at myself but then i was and then i went to blame i was blaming other people for the situation i was in but going through all these negative emotions what i didn't realize until now was i was slowly just climbing back out of the position that i put myself in through years of addiction that you have to go up the scale and then you go from blame to frustration and then you might be overwhelmed and then eventually you get in the vicinity of hope and when you can start to feel hope that's when you know that i, I can do this you know there was a certain point where i stopped crying <laughs> um, and everything started to change because i felt hope and then I started to feel appreciation. Then I started to feel gratitude. And now I wake up every day and I'm like, 
And I just like stroke the bed sheets or look around the room and think, oh, there's so much to be grateful for that I was completely numb to before, completely blind to. And as you know, we've had amazing discussions with people who are on this uh, wonderful summit. And one of the ladies I spoke to, Dr. Sharon, I believe has been on your, your podcast, talked about mindful eating. And just that alone, just having no distractions, sitting down, eating food and paying full attention to it and being super grateful and thinking, wow, how many people did it involve to get blueberries onto my plate? The process that it went through and everything that was involved in the chain that got it there to the supermarket, to the people that produce it, and waves of gratitude and appreciation just overcome me all the time. And now every day, it's hard to think back to how I was then because I'm in such a state of appreciation right now. Uh, but I had to go through the dark times. I had to go through the pain. And what I really want people to know that are watching this is pain is one of the most useful emotions that we can feel. And if you do what I did, or you're in a cycle like I was, where I was just numbing my pain, then nothing ever gets any better. You're just in this never-ending cycle of depression, whether you, whether you know that you're depressed or not, because the drug will take you away from any kind of emotion. And that's a good escape, but it's only ever a quick fix. You won't ever be able to get out of that unless you, <laughs> unless you, unless you get rid of your crutch, unless you throw it away completely. And I, I think one of the main instigators for me to stopping doing all that was getting involved in a community, getting involved in a community of like-minded people like yourself, where everyone was just so supportive, so positive. They were all vegan, right? I was already vegan, but I was still struggling with this. I just could not release this crutch, this addiction. And through that support, having a coach, doing all these other positive things eventually led me to really look at it and think, I don't need to do this anymore. And I took that power back. And I'm just so, so grateful to be able to even share that story because I know it could have went a different way for me. That's amazing. Thank you, David. Wow. Very grateful that you're still here and you do have such a big impact, even just in this summit interview. And it's interesting hearing you talk about your pain through everything you've been through, through losing family to COVID, losing your dad, going through a breakup. And it's almost like parallel to what your, your dad and your, your grandpa went through physically in their heart. 
but feeling it emotionally in the heart that there's, there's pain there and wanting to take some kind of medicine to make it go away. And if we're not already on a prescribed medication, finding something else to medicate with. And it's, you're right. It does feel good in the moment to be numb, to just get rid of the pain, but the pain is always there for a reason, isn't it? Right. It's trying to tell us something It's trying to push us in a different direction. And unless we feel through it, like you said, unless we fully feel through the pain, then we're never going to be able to release it. So that was really beautiful how you described that. And yeah, very happy that you're here. And I'd like to hear a little bit about how yoga ties into that and how it's gotten you through so many things that you've been through, including, you know, that you had this epic breakup uh, that maybe you want to talk about a little bit as well. Yeah, sure. So yoga as well has been a key habit for me to realizing who I am deep down at my core because the mindset that I used to be in looking back was a very egotistical mindset. I was obsessed about making money. I remember I was obsessed for a long time about having this specific car. And I thought, once I, once I attain this, that's it. My life's going to be made once I have this, once I have this Audi car to drive around in. But yoga for me was very humbling because I injured my back in my old work. And I was lying in bed, I was taking painkillers every day and nothing was working. It was just getting worse. So one day my sister comes in and like she's done many times in my life she's helped me through through so many things um she's been one of my greatest teachers although she's a lot younger than me and she said why don't you try yoga and I was like oh really I don't need to do yoga it's yoga's for girls that's what I used to think yoga's for girls right <laughs> and I, anyway I was open-minded enough to try it. So I got on the yoga mat. I did 10 minutes. And afterwards, my back was a little bit better for just 10 minutes. But it made me think, wow, this is this made me feel really good. This was this was like a workout, but I feel good in a different way. And I carried on, I carried on doing it just little bits, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. It started alleviating my back. And around the same time, I started doing meditation as well. So this yoga meditation combined. And this was when I really started to look at my life and think, I don't like my life. <laughs> meditation brought out a lot of things where I was sat still and it brought out all these negative thoughts and sometimes meditation isn't a positive experience it's, it's a mirror it shows you things it reflects things back at you that aren't good it reflects things back at you that are good so i had to make some pretty big changes in my life quit my job started doing 
personal training certificate, went down a whole different career path, but carried on doing yoga the whole time. So as I was doing personal training, I've been going to the gym for years, right? It's like, this sounds ridiculous. You know, it's, I was smoking weed the whole time. I was, <laughs> there was once I went to the gym and uh, I remember a kid I used to talk to, he looked at me, he's like, dude, are you stoned? And I was like, yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't get a pump on without, without being high. And <laughs> <laughs> that was the kind of mindset I was in. So I was doing positive habits, but I still had this crutch the whole time. And even yoga, I was doing yoga and I was still doing drugs as well. So it was quite, it was quite weird for me because I was, I guess, seeking to be in this elevated state all the time. I was very high minded. I, I, I wanted to feel good all the time. I never wanted to feel bad. So I was doing all these things and eventually the yoga became an obsession. It led to me getting qualified, doing classes at the gym I was working at. And around the same time, uh, I met my last partner and we were together for two years. And I, I was with her up until last year, till the last COVID lockdown. And it kind of all crumbled because of the negative habits, because I was doing drugs and my mind just just wasn't right. So even though I was doing positive things, relying on this, this crutch brought out all these negative emotions all the time. Um, and I was, I guess, lying to myself. I was tricking myself my, my thoughts were telling me you're doing the right things but I I couldn't really look at myself truly because I was numbing the way I felt the whole time and eventually I ended up nearly on a nervous breakdown I was losing my hair I, I gained a lot of weight and I walked out on that relationship thinking that it was the relationship that was the problem, but it was me that was the problem. It was my thoughts that was the problem. And then a few weeks later, when I, I saw the, my ex-girlfriend who I'd been with over two years, the first person that I ever lived with, the first person that I ever opened up with in a lot of different ways. When I saw her walking down the road, arm in arm with another man, looking like really happy, it crushed me. I realized that I'd made a terrible, terrible mistake. That leaving wasn't the answer that I I should have been looking within instead of blaming other people for how I felt about myself at the time. And that, I guess, is where the mindset really shifted for me. When I stopped everything and felt all the pain within myself, but all the pain as well that I guess I'd inflicted upon other people by being so unconscious for so long.
it was a big revelation for me because deep down I'm empathetic. I can, I can really feel energy from other people. I feel it instantly, even more so now intuitively pick up on negative energy and pick up on positive energy. And whereas I used to get into negative conversations all the time, just to bring myself to a level that other people were talking at. If somebody's talking negative or maybe gossiping, right? People are gossiping. Oh yeah, have you heard so-and-so is, is, is doing this? Oh, isn't it terrible? And you're like, yeah, yeah. And you want to get in involved on the conversation, but you don't realize how that negatively, negatively affects your subconscious thinking. And since I became aware of this, I no longer get involved in negative conversations. And if somebody tries to start something negative, I will immediately turn it into a positive or just say nothing. And even that, even that in itself is 100% different from how I used to interact in the world. And I guess bringing it back to yoga, I don't know if you've heard of the eight limb path, Laura. The eight limb path is what yogis used to live by. It was these eight principles. And yoga itself, yoga means to be whole. And <laughs> the goal, I think, with the ancient yogis, it wasn't, you know, core strength yoga, which is classes that I'm doing at the moment. It wasn't all this fitness yoga stuff. It wasn't even that much movement. It was more of how you are, how you, you be, and how you interact in the world with people. So the highest form, they call, I think they call it moshka, which is liberation, moshka, is in the eight limb path to be able to sit with yourself in silence and be truly comfortable and at one with yourself. And when I studied all this stuff, I thought, wow, all this time, I've got it completely wrong. I've been seeking all these things outside myself. I've been looking for the perfect relationship, the fancy car, the million dollars, a big house. And the whole time, if I would have stopped and sat still and tried my best to observe what was going on in my body and my mind, I could have got everything that I ever wanted from just being inside myself. So those ancient yogis, what they were learning then is so relevant now, especially now because we have such a fast-paced society and we have social media and everything's go, go, go. We can, at the click of a button, we can order anything we want off Amazon. We can go onto our phones. We can search for anything in the world. All the information at our fingertips, yet people are more sad, more depressed. There's more disease in our cultures than ever before. And there's a link, I think, anyway, there's a link between these things that the faster we go, 
the more we seek things outside of ourselves that aren't really satisfying because when you get the latest iPhone, the novelty soon wears off after a couple of weeks. But when you learn to sit alone with your thoughts and you can do it for 10 minutes, you can do it for 20 minutes, you can do it for 30 minutes, the novelty never wears off because you feel good. And I guess the whole reason why I started yoga, apart from the back injury, was to feel good. That's why I carried on. And now my only goal, and I say this often, is to feel good. And if you give yourself that permission, your only goal is to feel good. And you say that to yourself often. Then it takes a lot of pressure off. You can start to do things that make you feel good. You can think, OK, I'm just going to take a bath. It's going to make me feel good. I'm going to spend some time with my kids. That's going to make me feel good. That's going to make them feel good and strengthen our bond together. And piece all these little things into your life that make you feel good. And then eventually you're on the high end of this emotional scale that I talked about and you're experiencing gratitude. And that's what yoga has done for me. That's what going through all the pain, the loss of loved ones, the, the addictions, the breaking down of relationships have all been valuable lessons for me in life to realize what I already knew already, that we're just here to feel good, to have fun and to share what we know with other people to help other people. Thank you so much, David. And as you know, we do this fast five to end things out. So are you ready? Okay. All right. Let's go. What's your favorite animal? Pig. If you could only eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? Potatoes. What's your favorite vegan film or documentary? This is a tough one. It would have to be what the health. If you were stranded on a desert island, who would you have with you as your companion? Probably my little sister. Or Aww. you, Laura. <laughs> I feel like I psychically implanted that in your head. <laughs> I do call you sister. Oh, that's true. Yeah, we, we call each other brother and sister now. Okay. And what is your favorite quote or it can be a mantra or affirmation? I am open to the healing love of the universe. I am open to the healing love of the universe. Beautiful. You can repeat that affirmation multiple times a day. And it changes the way you think when you start to plant these little seeds of positive phrases into your mind, which is why we ask these questions as well. So it's good to know these affirmations, but if you are constantly 
saying them over and over and over again, it will subliminally train your subconscious mind to really believe that what you're saying is true and how you think then will transform and your life can really transform as a result of that. Yeah, thank you, David. So where can everyone connect with you if they'd like to be in touch? They can email me at davidbailey at gmail.com. You can also text me if you want. If you want to text me, um, plus four four seven nine nine zero five five seven five four. Lovely. Well, thank you so much, brother, for this beautiful interview. Lots of love thank to you. Thank you, Laura. Much love.